Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Welcome, everybody. Today, we have Michael S. Sevier. I hope I said that correctly. He'll correct me later, though, if I did. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful guy. We've been chatting before I hit the record button. Like He's just awesome. Tell us about yourself, Michael. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. And thank you for your time today. And for everybody who's listening, thank you. So, you know, I uh, am an executive coach. I'm a leadership consultant. I am a public speaker. Uh, I'm an author. I have my own podcast. I haven't devoted quite as much time to that lately as other things. Uh, I lead uh, something called the You and I Know Circle. And so uh, my career in my life has definitely uh, expanded and broadened in the last 10 years since I began uh, being a coach. And so I was raised in a really small town in West Michigan. In 2003, I left Michigan and I came to the state of Arizona where I live currently. And I worked in the hospitality industry for a few years. And then in 2008, when the economy wasn't doing so well, I decided to go back to school to the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And as I was getting my MBA uh, there, that's where I uncovered Uh, that I really desired to be a coach or really wanted to help people. And so as a second year MBA student, I was allowed to coach first year MBA students. And I realized just how much I really love that. And so after finishing the MBA, I took a job at a very large healthcare system where there's a little bit of coaching involved, but not too much. It was mainly running system programs. Mm -hmm. And I got pretty frustrated with that after a couple of years. So in October, 2011, I actually started my coaching practice as we know it today. Uh, But at the very beginning of any business, right, it takes a little while to ramp up. But as you and I were just talking about a second ago, Josh, before we hit record, uh, they're just little things that you got to do to kind of start your business off right. So I taught classes at a local university. I went to work at another university to coach master's degree students. And so thankfully, at the beginning of 2015, I was actually able to start working in my own business full time. And so what started out as a resume writing and a cover letter writing and an interview help or a LinkedIn support business matriculated into me understanding um, how to facilitate communications, right? So I do a lot of trainings around communications. And then I got into personal branding, which I hope we can talk about a little bit. And how do you define what your brand is and how do you live that? And then I got into executive coaching, which I still do a bit of, but not quite as much. And I spent the last couple of years in this kind of coaching and consulting practice, really heavily focused in on changing organizational culture and like really thinking about what are those things that you have to put in place to make sure that people are engaged and happy and productive. And so, you know, the beginning part of this year, the beginning part of 2021, I published a book called I Know, which has been a really big blessing in my life because it kind of talks through the things that I coach on on a regular basis. And so for the last 10 years, I have absolutely loved being a coach, Josh, and it's had lots of iterations about how it's kind of worked itself out. But I think that it's the right time for all of us to kind of enter into the gig economy and do the things that we're really passionate about. So hopefully there's some things that you and I talk about in the next hour that that do that. Oh, absolutely. The one thing the the audience won't see is your awesome painting in the back. I am literally just like the eyes are perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So Josh, thank you for that. It's um, I think there's probably some stuff on my Instagram page where you can see the painting. It's called Parallels and uh, there's a a pretty big lion's head and kind of mane and the eyes match mine and the cheekbones match mine. And I have a beard. So the beard on the lion kind of matches mine and my, my hair is getting a little bit longer and the lion's hair kind of matches my hair. So I'm glad that I have this lion spirit animal, if you will. With like feathers in its hair too. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is, Josh, but I keep, when I'm like traveling, going around kind of pre-pandemic, I used to travel quite a bit for public presentations and I would be walking into a hotel or walking into a resort wherever I was doing the presentation. And I'm not sure why, but I would find feathers on the ground in my path a lot. 
And so that's why I asked the artist to put the feathers inside the painting is just that there were all these little feathers that I think had specific meaning uh, that I, I kept coming across in my journey. I was like, okay, there's something there. I need to pay more attention to that. Yeah. No, that is very key. Um, if you were going to get on like the spiritual level, it's like a, a messenger or kind of like a hint. Yeah, um, very much so. And, it, and that comes to us in a lot of different ways, right? Sometimes it's feathers. Sometimes for me, I get, I see pennies as I'm walking around. Uh, I see patterns and numbers. And so sometimes, you, you know, you just see those things. And yeah, if you can be uh, calm enough to be able to notice the hint, then you know what action to take next. Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed the penny thing. Like when I'm, I know I'm on the right path is when I find more pennies on the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just one of those, I sit there and I'm like, Oh, there's about 30 pennies in the ground. I must be doing something correctly. <laughs> Somebody I read somewhere online and I can't confirm this to be true, but I, but I think there's some truth to it is that when you see pennies recurrently on the ground in front of you, it's kind of like you have angels or you have these spirit guides that are guiding you towards this next version of yourself. And so, Josh, I think it's wonderful that you get to not only do the things that you do during the day, but you've also interviewed hundreds of people and now are helping them tell their story. And then it's bettering you. And now you're helping more and more people. I think that it's this awesome cycle that you've kind of started and gone down. So good for you. Yeah. Uh, how I tell a lot of my guests is I get to pick your brain freely for an hour. You get to prove your trust authority in what we're ever talking about. And the audience gets the benefit of listening to it. It's just at the win, win and win deal. <laughs> it totally is. That's a great way to look at it. Um, so tell me about, um, your, your journey from the teacher to being a coach. How, yeah. how, how did you transition that? Yeah. You know what? It, it kind of comes back to, uh, I'm actually a really big introvert, right. And I'm very task oriented. Okay. And so having to be on stage, you know, teaching and being in front of large groups, uh, back in 2014, 15, 16, when I was really starting to think about how could I do my business on my own, I had to become a teacher in 2012, 2013 to teach myself how to speak publicly because I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I did it. I forced myself to do it for a couple of years. But then my business was to the point where I didn't necessarily have to coach so much for the organizations I was working for. My business as it stands today, the revenue of it was roughly equal to the amount of money that I was making working for the local universities. So okay. I just decided to stop doing that full-time work and I just started to focus in on my own business. And I think that was a really fun but difficult transition because I was able to have this very stable base of clients per se, right? The students inside the classes or the master's degree program students that were given to me for me to coach them. And then all of a sudden I had to be all of the marketing and all of the sales and all of the delivery myself at the beginning of 2015. And so it was a really tough transition for me to make, but I'm also really glad that I challenged myself and did it because it really forced me to think about how do I distribute time day to day? How much time do I spend sales? How much time do I spend client service? How much time do I spend on the logistics behind the scenes? So I had to really put in place like an annual plan. And then I had to really stay focused in on working that plan every day to be able to get to the point that my business is where it is now, where you know I have lots of contractors. I have a small team of people that support me, but it took time and really focused effort and overcoming my own fears to get to the point that I can coach lots of folks around the globe today. So what was the main fears for you that you were having when you were first starting it? Cause I hear this a lot with entrepreneurs, but I'm like, it was you in the beginning. Like, why are you, why are you scared? Kind of thing. Cause this one yeah. day that was, Oh, sorry. Go you go. 
Yeah. So the, the thing that was really hard for me is that being an introvert, being task oriented, I fear my work product being criticized. Um, and so what, so if I was pushing out a lot of ideas through my blog or through a social media post or through the presentations I was giving publicly or through the process that I was utilizing to coach someone, my brain was always in this place of this person doesn't like this. This person doesn't like my, my resources, my process, my ideas. And so my brain was constantly in a mode of negativity, right? Constantly thinking that they were judging or critiquing me. And so it took a while of me just putting myself out there and starting to get the good feedback back from the individuals in my sphere of influence for the good positive testimonials and recommendations and statements to help me believe that I was worthy of being able to deliver the service. So I had this fear. I forced myself to confront it. And then I waited for these really positive you know, words of praise and recognition to come back. And then I was able to convince myself that I was worthy of being able to do this without feeling the fear. Right. Yeah. That was my biggest one when I was just in general, it was like, Oh, they're going to figure out I'm a fraud. I'm going to stumble. And it's just all going to blow up in my face. Now that I'm like actually doing it, I've actually done multiple seminars with multiple entrepreneurs. They stumble. It didn't bother me. It was like, they're human shit happens kind of thing. Yeah, completely. And that's the perfect way to look at it. Is, is that we are all going to make mistakes. That's what it means to be human. And I'm just a huge fan of learning through the mistakes. And so I think that that's probably the best way that we can learn. Uh, our society has been built upon this kind of idea of rote learning, which is to memorize something and regurgitate it back on a test. And I think that that worked in the 1800s and 1900s, but it doesn't work in the 2000s. So right. now we're at the point of we need to learn experientially. And to your point, that comes from making the mistake, reflecting on it, doing it a second or a third time, but doing it differently in those times. And that's where your power comes from. Right. There's like a scientific method. It's like, okay, I did it wrong this way. If I alter it by a little, do I get the same results or even better? Yeah. Kind of thing. And then you iterate from there until you get to the point you're like, oh, wow, I did it that many times kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of wipes away the fear, but also the iteration process. I love that you said that because that's so important is that I keep teaching folks that I'm helping that it's just about iteration, right? It's the, there, There's very many processes that the folks that I help have to use day to day to day inside of their corporate roles. But there's also, we can make little tweaks and adjustments if we just iterate one piece of the process. And it's inside that little iteration that gives us the chance to try to confront our fear, to learn something new. And then that gives us a good solid base on which to then teach others, right? And that's where the real power is. Make the mistake, learn from it, then teach others. So I'm curious, because I'm actually very introverted too, and so I were behind the screen. Yeah. Um, how did you get the confidence knowing most business is you got to go out, be very extroverted, guerrilla marketing, slamming the ground to get people's attention kind of thing. How did you go do with your tactics, approach your marketing and, and keeping on task? Yeah, that was, it was really hard uh, back in those days, especially 2014, 2015, 2016. And I, I was really consistent in that I set specific schedules throughout the week to be able to allow for, okay, I'm going to send out these three social media posts. I'm going to publish this one article inside my website or on LinkedIn, whatever the vehicle was. And instead of viewing it like I was going to have my work criticized, I convinced myself that I just had to complete the task. Right. And so it, that is like, okay, I've got these tasks that I need to complete and my brain wanted to check things off a list. So I just created a task list and I was able to convince myself, this is just a task. 
this is important, right? In order to get this done or to feel accomplished or fulfilled. And then I was just in a series of synchronicities. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So when you confront your fear and when you're consistent in the delivery of a product or a service or your ideas, right? The universe will conspire to help you, whether it's putting feathers in your path or those pennies that follow in your path every now and again. But I I just met the right people at the right time. And all of a sudden the right doors were opening. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm coming across as I'm doing things. It's like the, (laughs) today, one of my coworkers were talking about like, they want to do Grubhub because they're like, oh, they're paying. No, it was DoorDash. They're paying like a fortune to get people in. And they're all talking and talking. And then one of them just like, hey, bro, you going to do it too? And I'm like, no. And they're like, but that's so much money. I'm like, you, well, let's say you made $100. 45 of it just goes to the government. Then another 40 goes for gas. And, and we'll throw insurance just to be nice. So you only made $20. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're like. And then one guy in the back, he just randomly yells, oh, yeah, he's the business guy. I you're going to be a millionaire. We probably should listen to him. <laughs> and hopefully they did, because you're right. That's that's really what it's about is just, you know, there are lots of fads and things that pop up in society that people want to chase after thinking that it's the solution or it's the golden ticket. And in my experience, in 10 years of coaching and interacting with folks uh, in, in a coaching capacity, the, the fad is never the thing that results in long-term success. And so kudos to you, man, for seeing that and being able to stay committed to interviewing people on your podcast, absorbing the information, and then adjusting the services that you offer accordingly. Right. Yeah. That, that's the biggest one. Talking to guys like you, where it's like, I, I, I talk and I hear your story, but I realize, oh, that's that piece I've been missing this whole time. Cause I, I like so-and-so introduced it to me. I've like, I yeah. feel like I'm kind of cheating. Cause it's like, okay, I get to pick these great brains relatively for free. <laughs> Normal people don't get to do this. Yeah. I think you're doing it the the exact right way. And the, we're just in this really cool time in society where, you know, we used to, for about 150 years, we used to place so much value on traditional university-based education. Yes. And with, with the advent of the World Wide Web and with the advent of globalization and technology, we don't need to pay for knowledge anymore necessarily, right? right? There's ways to uh, attain it that is basically peer-to-peer or free. And so I have an area of expertise. Josh has an area of expertise. The hundreds of guests that he's already had on his podcast have areas of expertise. So instead of going to the centralized hierarchy for knowledge where you have to pay $100,000, instead invest in those people close to you. And then all of a sudden you're going to share knowledge and create a really strong community. Oh, hundred percent. And the biggest one, like touching on your free or like relatively cheaper compared to any other means. I taught myself most of my business from listening to podcasts, like other podcasters that strictly are business. And at times it was extremely dry and I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) But it was worth it, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah. They were giving thousands of dollars worth of knowledge away just, just to listen to their one ad that might make buck off of. Yeah. 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 It's, and so there's, there's uh, efficiencies and scale, right. In our society, right. The 10, 20 years ago, the biggest corporations had access were the only entities that had access to these types of distribution or this type of knowledge, but because of the decentralization of information, you and I can garner the world's information almost for free in our ears while we're out jogging, running, hanging out at our house, like whatever that is. And that allows for us to accomplish our goals much more rapidly. And so the pace of change in society is obviously much faster, but that allows for each of us to, to, to grow and develop in the time that we find appropriate. 
because not everybody wants to grow and develop at the same pace. But for folks like you and I, Josh, we want to get after it and really help people. And so oh, we yeah. can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I love teaching people, but it's one of those, how I work. I was like, oh, I could be a martial artist because I've done it for 14 years. I could teach martial arts. At 28, I have arthritis. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. But speaking of the growing development, the I want to pick your brain. Okay. How do you go about teaching your clients about finding their personal brand? Their brand? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this this was for many years the the core of of what I did uh, as a coach, right? When I was thinking about personal branding. And the the way that I look at this is that I try to look at it very objectively, but also very subjectively. And what I mean by that is I ask the individual that's either reading my book or taking one of my online courses or participating in an event that I'm, you know, leading or working with me one-to-one is I think there are five tools, right? There are kind of five puzzle pieces, if you will, that help a person define his or her brand. And I'll, I'll explain the three steps, but let me first explain the the five pieces, if you will. So the first is something called the DISC assessment. And there are lots of other assessments that are like that, Predictive Index, Emergenetics, Myers-Briggs. What they do is they give you your preferred communication style, right? It's how you, it's basically what, what how you perceive the world and how you interact with the world, how you communicate with the world. So number one is very much about how do you prefer to communicate with the world? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you people oriented? Are you task oriented? What are all those things? Because each of those respective styles has different fears, default emotions under stress, ways that we recharge our batteries, right? Different types of body language, different types of stress response. So number one is a disc or some sort of communications assessment. Number two is an assessment I'm certified to use. It's called the 12 driving forces. But what it tells us is of kind of the 12 core human motivators, uh, which are our top four, right? So this is kind of like why we do what we do. It's the unobservable things that we're drawn to. So you're not necessarily going to see it overtly, but it's this unobservable why we do what we do. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is core values. And so I use uh, an online assessment called the Peak uh, Values Online Activity And what it does is it's an online activity that takes you from 55 core human values and you go through a multi-step process to whittle those core values down to your top six. So many people do it online, but they also have a card deck. If you wanted to buy the card deck and do it in person, you could. But number three is definitely understanding your core values, which to me is about the lessons that you've learned over time, right? What What are those things that really do matter to you? Uh, And so the lessons we learn over time, what do we value and how are we going to distribute a larger percentage of our time to those things? So the fourth thing is a, like a 10 point Q and a that I designed. And this is a little bit more of the subjective piece because what it does is it helps you to look at your past and some of the lessons that you've learned. It helps you to look at some of the challenges you've overcome. It helps you look at some of the ways that you want to uplift others or help others, or who are those groups of people that you would genuinely like to help. Right. So it's doing a little bit more of a subjective dive into the various patterns from your own life. And in the fifth area, kind of the fifth tool is what I would refer to as your authority, right? Your strengths. What are those things that you're great at? What's your unique value proposition? So what I do after I collect those five tools or puzzle pieces or data pieces about a person is is that I sit down or I ask the, the client to sit down and find the patterns or the commonality across them all. Right. So I'm a bit of a data dork, right? Because I'm an introvert. So I like data. Same for you, Josh. So 
<laughs> and so when you think about looking across these data pieces about your own life, there are going to be patterns. And it's inside the patterns, that's where the power is. So I try to find six, seven, or eight themes or patterns across these data sets. So then with those patterns, I do three things, right? I help them write their personal mission statement, which is a one-sentence statement. I exist to fill in the blank, right? And so that's a really important piece because it helps them to come back to the basics of, what am I doing on earth this time? Why am I here? But it's based upon those five data sets. It's based upon kind of the themes that exist inside of those data sets. So the first thing we do is we write a personal mission statement. But then the second thing that we do is we really look at those core values, those top five or six core values, and we do an assessment of what percentage of the day are they living those core values, right? Because the more they get to live them, the happier they're going to be, right? So that helps us get a little bit of information about what we're going to do with it. So that's number two. Number three is I sometimes write this, but I also ask them to draft it is to write a paragraph or two about really how unique they are in the marketplace, right? How do we mix those degrees that they've got, the certifications, the wins that they've had, the experiences they've had in the workplace to draft a one or two, possibly a three paragraph, like biography or unique value proposition, if you will, about that person. And then the last thing, depending on the person and what we're doing, I ask them to set up either one, two or three year goals, right? So something that they can work to. So a personal brand to me is we have to start with the basics of what's your mission? What are your core values, right? What is the thing that really makes you different and unique in the marketplace? And then what are your goals? What do we, what do we need to strive to? So that's the core or the foundation. Now, the brand can then be any number of things, right? But right. really the, the trick to building a great personal brand is, is the consistent delivery of that message, okay? So that's the hard part, right? Is that once you know that about yourself, then you have to think about what in your life are you going to adjust or change to actually live that brand? That's the tough part. Interesting. See, I'm loving this and I literally have written down like all five of the different things you said because I'm like, I actually had a guest on Saturday. Uh, his show should be on in like two weeks from our day we're recording. Right. Um, and the, that was a big thing he was trying to help me with. He's like, what is what is it that makes you tick? Or in a good way, he's like, I don't want to see you angry kind of thing. But yeah. uh, I told him like, you know, I already know that I want to help people. I want to serve. And obviously I, I, I need to make a profit to survive kind of thing, but I'm not going to try to gouge everyone. And then I'm like, I have a teacher's mindset, but he's like, there's something. He uses an analogy of like a key. And he's like, you know, that burr on a key, you put it in the lock, it goes in fine. You turn and it doesn't go. He's like, we need to find that one thing. And, uh, and after uh, he was talking, I sat there and I'm like, you know what it is? I know my personality type. I've taken it way too many times. And that's what my personality would do is uh, I'm INTP. Okay. Yeah. I'm Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also the DC, no CD. For okay. disc, on disc, yeah. Um, and it was just one of those I realized. Okay, my personality, no matter what, I'm gonna take that many tests and never be just like happy about it. Yeah. So I got over that. Then it's like driving forces, and I'm like, I want to help people, those who are willing to learn, because you can help them, but they'll never learn. Kind of thing. It's the teach them how to fish instead of giving them a fish. Kind of thing. Yep. And then um, I think it's the the core values itself. Because the, the, the burr I noticed with that guy was like, I don't believe that I actually am me uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, you know, he and I are basically trying to get to the same result, right? We're just using slightly different processes to right. get there in some way, which is great, right? Because we're at a time in human history 
where I think all humans or most all humans are at the point of like, what am I doing here? Why am I on earth? What's my purpose? Right. Society's changing a lot. How can I fit into it in my own way? And so good for you, Josh, for knowing those things about yourself and like really diving down into it right now. And then sharing that, that message or that voice with others to give them the safety to do it too. Mm -hmm. Because for so long, people have been so unhappy, right? Gallup is this really large polling organization, but they also help people understand employee engagement within workplaces. And as of last month, only 36% of the American workforce actually liked their jobs. Right. Right. So 60 plus percent of Americans who are working today do not like what they do. And it's because they don't get to live their personal brand every day, right? They don't get to live their mission or their core values or the things that motivate them. They don't get to do them every day. And so by you sharing your voice and your message, you're inspiring people to do more of that and live their brand more each day. I mean, it matters. Right. And that's where I, that's, I kind of realized that was the thing afterwards when I was mulling and trying to go to sleep, I was like, oh, whether I like it or not, I just have to accept the kooky dorky self. I am, I can't like force myself to wear the suit and tie all the time. Like yes, I obviously, I need to be professional. If I'm dealing with business people, I can't just be like, so aliens. What are your thoughts <laughs> kind of thing? <laughs> but it's like the, no, you're, I need to accept that. Yes, that is going to happen every so often. It might be in the middle of a meeting and I just accidentally crack a sci-fi joke and they're going to be like, just crickets. <laughs> and be like, oops, my sad. Let's go this way. <laughs> and it's, it's in kudos to you, man, for really thinking about this at a deeper level. Um, my number one core value is authenticity. And so that was one of the major reasons why I ended up leaving those corporate roles was that I realized that although I was doing well financially and I had influence or authority inside of those businesses, I was really not happy because I wasn't allowed to be authentically me. And so I like to, you know, like you and I started our discussion talking a bit about spirituality and about feathers and about those pennies. Like that is really who I am at my core because I value authenticity. I value personal growth. I value spirituality. But in some corporate settings, you're not allowed to talk about those things, or it's not apropos to do that. And so by being able to find a balance between really authentically expressing yourself, do you need to tailor and adjust a little bit depending on your audience? Yes, of course. But in those other situations where you're with friends, or you're out in public, I just really encourage you to be you because that is going to inspire so many more people to come to you than you can really imagine right now. And that's kind of what I was just especially listening to you i was just like i just need to accept me because i'm like it was saturday and we're tuesday already yes so like sunday i was telling myself oh i just have to accept myself for me i was listening to motivational tapes and all that and i'm like oh no i still don't and that's where like now i'm like okay this is what i have to do i have to talk about the things sometimes i don't like to talk about yeah yeah and that's okay you know i you know, I have a, I have a cat. She's about 10 and a half years old and I can oh, wow. walk her on a leash. Nice. And that's very rare for cats. That's exactly the point, right? Is that, you know, it, it's when I first was able to teach her how to do it or to get her to the point that she felt safe or comfortable to do it. It felt weird for me to do it. Number one, because right. I thought that people around the community I was living in were going to judge me. But then as I started to realize that they liked it, they thought it was fun. They came up and introduced themselves. I made new friendships out of it. I realized that me being authentically me and taking her for walks on a leash 
was actually creating like a different vibe or atmosphere right around me. And I just want to encourage you to do the same, Josh, is like, if there's that little thing that you initially think is quirky, it's not right. Because there are others around you who will genuinely like that same thing too. And so now there's a lot of folks on Instagram that I follow and, or they follow me and we share videos of each other walking our cats on leashes and it's fun. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I, so where my fish tank is, the others won't see it. I used to have a bearded dragon set up. Okay. And bearded dragons are like literally just reptile puppies. Yep. Essentially. So I would put them on my shoulder and go to a local coffee shop. And because it's a, dra- a, a reptile, I just threw my jacket over to keep them warm. Yeah. And one of those, it decided to crawl and it popped its head out over here. And the barista was like, handed me the coffee and she dropped like, what the heck? I'm like, oh, sorry. He's, he is literally not going to do anything. He's just curious about the sound. (laughs) (laughs) She just like poured me another cup, was looking at it, reached over, like touched it. And she's like, that's so cool. No one does that anymore. That's a perfect example. It was just one of those. I'm like, yeah, he was just looking a little bored. I grabbed him, threw him on my shoulder, put on a jacket and kept going. (laughs) I think that's a great example. So, you know, for me walking the cat on leash, for you taking the pet lizard out into the public, perfect examples about how, you know, there are going to be certain people in society who are pretty stuck in the old mindsets and the old ways of being, or only thinking that we should walk dogs on a leash per se. Right. (laughs) But we're now in the place where we've seen a lot of different ways of like people choosing different types of emotional support animals that they're allowed to take onto airplanes or similar. And so because there's so much diversity in these things these days, there is always going to be a person who likes or enjoys a very similar thing to you. And that's why when we share these things really authentically and openly, we invite those people into our community and it creates like this, this um, it's like a rising tide lifts all boats. All of a sudden, more people are happier, engaged being around us. And then more people want to be near us. And I just encourage you to keep doing that for yourself. And I will, I am. That's actually one of those, uh, one of my coworkers, he, he just, they're all very quiet. Actually, most of them are extroverts, but when they're at work, they like have to kill their own soul just to get by. And one of them actually pulled me aside and was just like, Hey, I just want to tell you, I'm genuinely grateful that when you are here, you're like, we actually all are, but no one's going to actually say it because you bring us hope. And I was just like, I'm just being me. I'm like, I'm really <laughs> blunt, kind of rude. I'm just being me. Yeah. And they're like, no, because you're you're not afraid. Like a lot of us are scared to actually show ourselves. I'm like, oh, I've gotten burned so many times. I'm at the point, like, you're gonna do it again? Really? All right, go, go for it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a tremendous compliment for them to share. And kudos to you for being as willing to share yourself openly, authentic as possible, because those little comments are the fuel that keep you going longer term. In in society, there's a lot of polarization. There's a lot of opinions on both sides of the aisle or whatever's happening in society. And I honor and respect that those things exist. But the thing that we really want to stay focused on as we're matriculating through our own changes is those little comments, those little things that people say to say, hey, I admire what it is that you're doing. I feel hope as a result of watching what you're doing. I'm not yet full of the the courage or the clarity to do that for myself yet, but soon I will be. And it's because people like Josh keep going that they then eventually feel safe to do so. And that's actually kind of what they just, uh, he was saying, because I, I, he was really into Bitcoin trading and that. And I, I kind of looked at it and it was just, I guess that was the pivoting moment when he realized I should really focus on Josh and help like listen to what he says. 
because he bought in some really bad coin. He bought in and I told him, like, hey, something's wrong with the chart. Like, I'm just going to tell you now from my knowledge of my weird technical analysis information I've done, something's wrong. It's going to bust on you. Sell it while you can. He sold it the next day. If he didn't sell, he calculated he would have lost $4,000. Wow. So you could feel it. You could sense it. And you helped him, man. That's great. Yeah. And which is like, I'm learning charts and that's where I'm like, I was going to be a trader. And now I'm like, yeah, so much emotion. I can't do it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and that's where he, he pretty much said, like, that was the moment I realized I needed to listen to what you say. He's like, yeah. yes, we were listening, but we weren't, but he's like, that was the, I'm like, yeah, cause I directly helped it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Some, you know, it takes people a different amount of time to get to that climactic moment for themselves. And what I've experienced in my, I've been leading teams of people for 25 years, but I've been really coaching in an executive kind of context or life coaching or career coaching for 10. But what I, what I mean is that when you think about all of the different people that I've seen, and even for yourself and all the people you've seen, Josh, is, is that there are just patterns in human behavior. And when it comes down to it, when a person uh, hits that climactic point, sometimes it has to do with money. Sometimes it has to do with some sort of career adjustment or change, like they lose a job or start a different job. Normally the real deep learning comes from the possible loss or the actual loss of something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he was on the precipice of, of losing quite a bit of money. It sounds like $4,000. And because you stepped in and helped him, he is now in a place of gratitude for you, but also a different level of awareness to say, all right, Josh is on to something here. I need to spend more time interacting with him and learning from him because Josh is already learning from hundreds of other people around the world in his podcast. So let's engage more, right? Which I think is great. So good for you. And it's super funny. Like one coworker, he listens to it and he's, when he does hear this and he's going to like probably laugh out loud or tell me in person, but um, he listens, but from what I can gather, the others don't. Mm. And even the one coworker who listens, he's like, dude, you, you got some good guests on like celebrities in their own rights in their arena. And he's like, like these guys could be using this, all this great information. I'm like, and it's free. Literally. I'm not even running ads, but (laughs) I'm just doing it because like selfishly to get me going, Yeah, but then help everyone else along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And what I learned quite some time ago, and I learned this the hard way. So I'm going to pass this on to you and to all people listening is that you only help the people who want the help. Oh yeah. And, and maybe you've learned that already uh, in your own way, Josh, I took me a while to do it. Like I was offering services for free, or I would say yes to projects I really wasn't capable of doing. And I realized I was getting very tired and very stressed and very anxious because I was doing things that weren't really in alignment with what it is that I was good at. But I also recognized is that they weren't taking the knowledge and then doing something meaningful in their life with it. And so that's when I had to slowly over an extended period of time, start to back away from those people or those projects, but also realize is that I'm not meant to spend time with individuals who don't genuinely want the help. And so that could be that I don't really help a lot of people unless they seek out my advice, or I don't help people who don't pay to become a client of mine in some way, but to just try to continue to help someone who doesn't want the help, that's just going to create more anxiety in me or possibly in you or those folks around you. So if they want to help, help them. If not, right. focus on the others that do. And it's one of those, it could be really simple. It's like, if you want to learn, but you don't have the money, it's like, buy me a lunch and a coffee and we're good to go. Kind of yep. thing. Great example. Because um, yep. one of my, uh, so actually I did learn the uh, whole teaching when they want to learn. I, I was, when I was doing my martial arts and still doing, but night shift is kind of hard for me. Um, this one kid, I will always remember it. He came in 
would not listen to anything I say. I'd be like, hey, um, let's do a front punch kind of thing. And he's and I was like, okay. There was one class, literally, I just told the parents, I'm just billing you. I'm going to sit on my phone in the corner until he listens to me. <laughs> Boy, did the parents put him straight. They're like, we yeah, paid yeah. him $75 for one lesson. You did nothing. Right. I'm like, you just pretty much paid me to like just look at Instagram today. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do this, but I need him to learn. Yeah, it's that's important, right? Is that sometimes the lessons we learn come to us in hard ways like they did for this client of yours, right? In that way. So it's hard. But it's also a really important learning to have. And once you have that, then you think about the management of your time so differently. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the thing that we can all kind of agree on as society goes through its transitions and its awakening is is that we all have so many places we can distribute our time. We should only really be thinking about distributing our time into the things that are really aligned with our personal brands or personal missions or with our core values or with the things that genuinely uplift us. But if we're spending time doing things outside of those, we're not going to be as happy. We're going to be disengaged. And so I think we get to a place of more happiness and more joy. If we can really understand ourselves through our personal brand, through those five steps I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. but then also to find a way to live them day to day. Oh yeah. that That's the, the second step that you mentioned on top of the five. That is the part. A lot of people are like, Oh, I want to play video games for a living. I'm like, great. So you could do Twitch, you could do YouTube. What do, What is your unique proposition? Why would I watch you kind of thing? Right. Are you funny? Yep. Do you do something fast? And they're like, well, no, I'm neither. I'm like, are you just that one guy that literally could break the game by just entering the game? And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, I'd actually watch that. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, what did Michael get himself into now? <laughs> yeah, those are fun, right? And I think we, we in society, we get to see so many people who are great at what they do. And we really like to have unique experiences. And so by seeing individuals who are great at what they do, it's a unique experience because we get to engage our five senses. We have more emotions connected to it. We genuinely remember it more. We learn something from it. And so I just think that we're in this really cool time in society. There's, there's so much money in the ecosystem. There's so many different opportunities Oh yeah. and we really love to be able to have really unique experiences that are memorable, right? 50 years ago, success was being able to have some sort of material wealth or material thing, but you know, folks from, you know, the millennials and the Gen Z's, they don't really care about the material wealth, right? They just want really cool memories and experiences. So mm-hmm. as society goes through these transitions and changes, the more unique you are, the more you stand out or the more people want to spend time with you. Yes. And that, that's the biggest one I've, I've picked up on. So yeah, uh, I've finished my journey. Well, finished one door. You have to open the other one. Is right, I, just, right. I need to accept myself for me. Yeah, thing. good for you. You will. And so I am curious. I actually have to pull up my notes again. Uh, so yeah. it was the... Um, your relationship building habits and meaning for happiness. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, say, I'm like, I'm reading it out loud of like eight relationship building habits, et cetera. How, do, how do, what is your steps for building a relationship with, I don't know, your insert, whatever business partner kind of thing, your tips sure. and tricks. Yeah. You know what? I think as we, we think about understanding what our personal brand or missions are, right? we know our mission, we know our core values, we know what makes us different and unique in the marketplace. And the thing that's hardest for the people I interact with, whether they're clients or vendors or just people in the community, 
is that building long-term relationships is really challenging for people because they're distracted by so much, or maybe they have young kids at home, or maybe work has become stressful. There are many reasons why they don't build the relationships, but there are some pretty simple tactics or strategies that anybody can deploy. And I'll give you a few examples from this. And so I have on my YouTube channel, I have a a one-hour video that's about this topic. So if anybody wants to go to Michael S. Siever on YouTube, they would see this. But a few things to just kind of point out is when we think about building relationships, one of the fastest ways to build a relationship or to deepen the engagement, what we just talked about a second ago, Josh, is the idea of communication styles. So if you know what your DISC or Myers-Briggs preference is, a great way to deepen a relationship is to tailor your communication style to the style of the other person, because then it's landing with them in a way that they can really hear and absorb. So that's a big one. Now, we've been talking quite a bit about authenticity already. So a second way that we can think about relationship building is to really authentically share your story because the human species is designed to think about the world through mythology or through story. So when you openly share your story, people are like, okay, how can I, how can I see myself in him or her? Or what do I have in common with him or her? Right. That's a big one. Yeah. And another thing that I've seen that works really well is when you lead with one little point of vulnerability. And I've already done this already in our our time today. I told you that I walked my cat on a leash, which not a lot of people do. (laughs) So I thought that was strong though. (laughs) And it is that I have the courage to share it. But for some people that do something unique in their life, they think it to be quite vulnerable. So that they would share something of themselves that they wouldn't necessarily feel safe to share. So so if, if somebody wants to build a relationship, they can share something of themselves vulnerably that they don't know if somebody is going to react positively or negatively to it, it matters. So another strategy would be to become great at asking questions. Like humans really love to be able to talk about themselves. So if you want to build a relationship, just, just kind of get down into the right how, what, and why questions. Mm-hmm. And so if you ask those repeatedly of a person, they're going to start to like you more. Um, another one is this idea of something called an uncommon commonality. So if you would like to deepen a relationship with a person, find those things that you have in common. And I think we can say, okay, we live in the same city or state, or we're all in America or, you know, whatever those commonalities that we have with somebody. But the thing that actually deepens a relationship faster is to find something that's uncommon. Right. So you had traveled to a such and such a place on the other side of the world, or you had such and such experience that very few people have. Right. Or you met such and such celebrity or athlete that very few people have met. So the more uncommon it is, the more you feel emotionally connected to a person. Mm-hmm. And I'll mention one more here. And this is the came from Robert Cialdini in his book called Influence. And it's something called the law of consistency. And this is the thing that I see people uh, quite regularly struggling with the most is that when you want to build a relationship, the thing that matters more than anything else is consistency, right? Reaching out to them regularly, having conversations with them regularly, checking in on them through text message or through email or through phone call regularly. So if you really want to get to that point of really having deep, meaningful relationships that you get a lot of energy from, any of these strategies will work. But the trigger and the real key is, is staying committed and consistent to it for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. No, that is the the one thing. It's like an old adage. Everyone says it that's in business, but they don't fully explain it. It's the consistency, persistence, and patience. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The three words. It's like, no, there's there's a complex meaning to it. Yeah. That's just the three word summary of it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. And, that, and you're right. Those are the, that's the things is that. 
our society wants to relay really complex topics in really, really simple ways. But the, the truth is, is that we learn when we actually have an opportunity to dive into the complexity or to learn experientially and to really feel those things. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage everybody listening is that, you know, pick the one or two things that you really want to work on and develop over the next month or two and stay focused on those, right? Don't get distracted by the outside world and all the stuff that's happening through the media. Stay focused really in on what it is that you desire to do. hundred percent. Actually, what's funny touching on media, I've like outright cut off like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I, I've retrained my Google algorithm to like, show me only money, <laughs> like financial news. Yeah. Um, and then randomly D and D stuff. That was the, the one thing where like people are like, what's, um, what is the one thing you did as a kid? I'm like, I played D- Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, <laughs> what? Wait, isn't that old school? I'm like, yeah, you get the, you get the paper and you get some dice and just use your head. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really cool thing to like go back to in your childhood. Right. For me, I worked so much in my family's landscaping and law maintenance business that I didn't have a lot of time for traditional kind of like fun activities. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the thing that I always remember from my childhood the most was playing golf. And so we, I was raised in a really small, a really small town, but in a farmhouse, quite a bit connected from town. And so having things uh, like traditional things like a Nintendo or an Atari, those things didn't really happen for my sister and I until a little bit later. So we had to do things outside with our friends um, at that time, but it's like going back to those things that we really loved as kids or in our teenage years or in our early twenties, that really helps us today to remember the things that we value most. And so to your point, Josh, if you just turn off the mainstream media and their message, or some of the things that you see through the algorithms on Facebook or Instagram, you can strip away the distraction and stay focused in on the things that actually give you the most joy. Oh, yeah. And I've noticed that once they cut it off, it's like, I've been able to get so much stuff done. I'm like, where have I been this whole time? Like, <laughs> like the other day I started writing down like a thousand words for it's just a story came to my mind. So I'm like, I better write this down while I can. And I just look back. I'm like, Oh, if I was still using social media, I'd never get this done. <laughs> I was like, yeah. just that easy. It's like, if I was still using social media, I'd never get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you for recognizing that. Cause not many people do right? They, it's easy to get roped into social media because it doesn't require physical activity. Most of the content that's coming to you is interesting to you because of the algorithms. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to be psychologically duped into wanting to pay attention to it. But once you realize that it's pulling you away from the things that matter most to you, that's when you realize, all right, it's time to turn this off. It's time to do something else that I genuinely care about. And also for me, like I have an older phone, but it's still functioning. I realized when I have like Instagram, cause there were some people like guests I would follow up for a week or two, just DM them. Um, I realized my phone got really slow and I'm like, hmm. what? So that's where like, I uninstalled the Instagram and Snapchat. My phone instantly picked up. I'm like, it's literally constantly feeding the servers, my data. Yep. I was like, it's literally killing my own phone. Yep. Yeah, that's so true. And people don't take the time to read the, the yeah, kind of the, the the contract that exists between you when you sign up for an account and through Facebook, Instagram, or even things like LinkedIn. Right. Uh, because they they do. They they pay attention to the things that you say. They pay attention to the things that you click on and like. And all of that information is ported back to a central database then that they use for furtherance of their agendas, right? Whatever those are. So it it's great to be able to take those things away from your time and focus on the things that you genuinely value, like learning through podcasts or spending time with friends, right? Whatever that is, that that stuff really matters a lot in our society, especially with all the distractions. 
And especially with all the different events that are coming on, you realize your relationships are more important than the social media posts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to say it is that with all the distractions, with all the events, with all the different places that we can invest time, it really does force us to go back to some of the things we talked about earlier in the podcast to really get clear about what it is we desire. And so the people that I see having the most success and success for me is not material wealth or gain or anything like that. It's just, it's happiness. It's a long, happy, healthy life. That's success. Right. Those people are the ones who say no the most, right? And if they have a hundred different things that they're invited to or can participate in any given week, and when they say no to 80 to 90 of those things, I can tell you that that person is going to be successful because they know what it is that they genuinely want to invest time in and what makes them happy, what makes them engaged, what makes them excited about the future. But for people who say yes to a lot of different things, it's going to be very draining. They're not going to be happy. They're going to be disengaged. Uh, They're going to then be filled with regret at some point later. So it's better to get clear on yourself now and then figure the rest out in the coming weeks. That the whole, your analogy of everyone saying yes and being drained and stressed out my martial arts instructor, he's the one that taught me a lot of my marketing ability to talk to people. But when I was just teaching for free, I was just young, fresh out of high school kind of thing. I didn't have to worry about a job. And uh, he went to a convention like every week. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like marketing wise, that's genius. But I'm like, you're one man running a business. And now you're going to another person's business to help run their business. Yep. And it was just one of those those, uh, recently he's very stressed out and he's trying to lean back. But I've, I jokingly told him like, I've been with you 14 years. I'm like your weird unofficially adopted kid. You're not allowed to leave. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, you can't leave. (laughs) And he laughed. He's like, yeah, you're kind of like my weird white kid because he's Middle Eastern. Yeah big beard and it's just super funny i'm like yeah you're not allowed to leave old man <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll throw the match down in the corner you sit on your wheelchair and you're just gonna be like wrong wrong <laughs> but he's, that was he's wise isn't he he is or learning more to be wise but the the thing he i told him because he's so stressed out because he has like 50 projects flying at any given time i'm like dude you're stressed out like you need just let a few drop break Yep. Deal with the consequences later, but it's like, you're going to break. And you've told me this before. Don't take on more than you can chew. He's like, but I have to. I'm like, no, you don't. You you also have told me you can delegate stuff too. And he's like, damn it. I taught you well. <laughs> and good for you for holding him accountable, right? That's, that is so key in today's society is like, who do you surround yourself with? And when you have people around you that Uh, gift you energy, or they genuinely try to help you, or they hold you accountable to do the things you said you were going to do. That's how you know you really should be in a relationship with them longer term, but Mm -hmm. they also then help you accomplish the things that are most meaningful to you. And it could be that deeper spiritual meta level where in them helping you, it helped them fix themselves kind of thing, which then it just keeps going and compounding from there. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a, it's you know, it's like the dominoes, as soon as the first one falls, the rest of them just fall. But it always feels like to me, I, I went in my book, I know I talk about how whenever we're taught specific lessons, it's almost like we're, we're climbing an upward spiral, like we're going to be confronted by that lesson, that learning at some point in the future, but it's just going to be more difficult, right? The lesson of the learning is just going to be harder. 
But the thing that is great about us is that we've gone through a series of circumstances to build our emotional resilience or strength or our capacity to respond. Right. And so now all of a sudden, what used to be really scary to us three or four years ago, we're now being confronted by that same situation. And it's not problematic. It's easy. It's simple. And so by starting those dominoes and starting the, the process of learning and having experiences, we build up a strength to be able to confront the things that we couldn't have before. Oh, 100%. Like I just, when you said uh, your book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull up the, the internet, download while I can, while he's still talking, <laughs> but I'm back. Um, <laughs> and it really is. It's the, and it's sometimes the, the action, like we were talking about, whether it was before or during uh, the recording uh, is it's the smallest action that we've perceived as insurmountable. It's like that. It was literally like nothing, not even a drop in a bucket, but that's usually the one that changes everything. Yeah. And it's hard to know, Josh, like which one that's going to be. And that's why we just have to be consistent day in and day out doing the things we're passionate about. If it's talking to folks on a podcast, uh, if it's for me putting out social media posts and content, like whatever that might be, as long as we're consistent in the delivery of it, the right situations, the right things are going to come back to us. And that's where I think most people struggle is that they, they don't see some sort of expected result right away. So they give up and they quit. And that just doesn't work, especially in today's society. We have to stay committed for months and months on end. And then the blessings flow after the months of commitment. Oh, it does. And it, it, it's one of those, like, you can see with the fish. There's right here, I was trying to grow milkweed. And I was very consistent with that light but I forgot for like a week and I killed everything. <laughs> and it was just one of those, that was one of those lessons. I'm like, I mean, it was like a, a dollar to get all the seeds, but I'm like, oh man, like I, I let myself down kind of thing. Yeah, I let the plants down too, but uh, <laughs> it was that, that was the one where now I'm like, okay, whether I like it or not, I make my bed, I turn the light on, feed the fish. I already got three winds right there in the day and nothing can stop me. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. It's like, uh, last fall, I planted some shrubs in uh, my partner, Tiffany and I, her and I backyard. Mm -hmm. And this past summer in, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and oh, okay. the, the summer was quite hot. So those plants, even though I put some shade up and stuff around them, they still didn't make it. And so just this past weekend, I replaced them. Uh, so now I'm giving them lots of extra love and care because I don't want to have to replace them again. <laughs> and so I've learned that same lesson recently as you, Josh, it's like you, you have to stay on top of those things, little bits of water, the right lighting, the right heat or a cold exposure, whatever those things matter. But if we're committed to it and we start our day with those wins, all of a sudden the world's our oyster. Oh yeah. And it was, I was listening to like a Navy SEAL talk about how change, like help change the world kind of thing. And he said, it's actually really easy. And he's like, we'll give you five steps, but the first is the key. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening with like bated breath. I'm like, and he said, make your bed. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> How does that help anything? <laughs> but then when he explained that it's a win, once you have a win, you, your psychology, you want to get another one. Yeah. And then you get another one. And then you, you just, you're going to get more done. Than you ever thought you're going to get done in a day. And he's like, and if the day goes to hell, you still come home to your win and fall asleep in it. Yeah. That, I, I love like, that. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I like that perspective. Yeah. That is, that is such a great way to look at it. It's that the, and I guess I've tried to teach people this through the different seminars and webinars and public presentations that I've given is that the, the human mind wants to perceive like really big wins. I've finished this certificate. I finished this degree. You know, I picked up this big client, like whatever that thing is. 
Um, but the reality is, is that it's not the size of the win that matters. It's the consistency of the wins happening throughout your day or your week that matters. And so you just did a great job of explaining that. It's like, you know, if you make the bed, if you take care of the fish, right? If you make sure that the, something goes well inside your, inside your home, then all of a sudden you can go about your day with a different level of confidence that you might oh, yeah. not have had otherwise. Yeah. Cause like that week where I forgot to turn it on, I like reflecting back hindsight is a blessing and a curse at times. Um, I was like, Oh, I was sluggish at work. Like I just was not having it. And then like, now that I started this whole routine, I'm like, now I'm like getting everything done. And I jokingly have to tell my bosses, I'm like, well, I've done about eight hours work and four. So we got to figure out two more hours worth of stuff and I'm out of ideas. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, Josh, what did you do? <laughs> you come so fast. I'm like, I made my bed. <laughs> I love your sense of humor. I think it's so good because it like, it really does matter. Especially like what I mentioned earlier, like there are so many people in America who dislike their work. Now we're in this place of how do we create a fun atmosphere in which people can work? And so sometimes it's little jokes like that to just get them to smile, to look at the situation or the world just a little bit differently. So then like, all right, so you're building up like this, this cachet, right? Of like who your personal brand is, Josh. And it's fun to listen to you talk about it because it's just an accumulation of a lot of small moments where mm -hmm. you've made someone smile or you've helped someone save money or you've done something good for a client or a colleague. And it's just the accumulation of those things over time that really do define and build your brand. Interesting. I never looked at it that way. I was, I guess, yeah, I was looking for the diploma, but I wasn't thinking about the steps to the diploma, like the trees of the forest. Yeah. I was looking for the forest, but I wasn't thinking about the actual tree. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And that's, and I think that is quite common or normal. And, and that's really when we think about all of these things, is that it is nice to have the diploma and the certificate and the degrees and all this and that. But I tell clients that, you know, if we were to stay in our relationship in a, like a formal coaching relationship for an extended period of time, the way that I would know that they were living their personal brand is if I randomly talked to someone in their network and I asked them to describe my client. And if the chosen words that came out of that person's mouth were the exact same words that were inside their mission statement, their core values, their unique value proposition. That's how I would know that they were living their personal brand. So, That's true. so it's nice to be able to have some of those big things like degrees and certificates. And those are part of the puzzle in the process. But the thing that really solidifies a brand is the emotion that you leave with the people around you, right? If they perceive you to be something, but that comes through little daily dialogue. It comes to little text messages or social media posts, that's where it comes from. So we just want to keep recreating that feeling and those people's around us. And that's where the real success is. It really is. And this is like the, the whole thing. It's just consistency and it'll, all the rest will follow. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, absolutely love it. I want to get you on in the future for sure. <laughs> I'd be glad to. I really had fun today. So thanks Josh for letting me come on and hang out. I just got two going out questions. Then we send everyone to your website. Um, okay. Other than work. What have you been doing the past time uh, during these lockdown times for like fun? For me, it has been uh, either hiking, and that's a little bit hard in Arizona because it's so darn hot. Yes, uh, but uh, hiking is a good place for me to kind of release and get away. But number two is golf, and so I, when we mentioned earlier inside mm -hmm. the podcast that when I was younger I played a lot of golf, and so what I realized in these times, right, because I can't travel, I can't do some of the things that I'm accustomed to. 
being in nature, hiking, playing golf has helped me come back to the basics and find happiness at a level that I wasn't expecting. So I really love doing those two things. So I try to make time for that every week. That's awesome. That is. Yeah. For me, it's hiking and, uh, I like camping. That's what my grandfather used to do with me all the time. Yeah. We were old school. We'd have like the the little pads, not even that. Sometimes it'd just be like a, a blanket you throw on the floor and just hope the sharp rocks don't get you on that. <laughs> but, um, so the second uh, question is in a basics with someone aspiring to be like you, uh, a successful businessman, um, happy, great life, um, great life, great wife. Um, I'm assuming, sorry. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're um, good. And what are some tips, tricks, or advice you'd recommend to them? So when we come back to uh, a lot of things that we've talked today, kind of right. about Josh is like, I really want people when they think about what happiness is to them or what joy is to them or what, what it means to be a fulfilled person it really does come back to making sure that they're making time to understand their own personal mission, their own core values, and then changing their habits and changing their weekly routines to be able to spend a disproportionate amount of time living those things, right? Like really living them because that's where the real, the big joy and the happiness is going to come from. And when I look back at my life's toughest moments, because I've certainly had quite a few is I realized that I was unhappy or I was going through tough situations because I wasn't living my mission. I wasn't living my core values. And so really what it comes down to is get really clear on your mission, your core values, what makes you different in the marketplace, be great at those habits and those routines and those rituals week to week to week to allow you to stay focused on those things. And probably the third thing I'll reference this kind of third tip is we have to make time for ourselves. And so for me, every morning I wake up and I immediately spend 20 minutes in meditation each week. There's the hike, there's the round of golf where there's nobody else around. It's just me um, making sure that I'm eating the right foods that are really appropriate for me. Um, on the first of the month, I have a three hour time block where I go back and look at my journal and I spend time in reflection. And I think about what went well or what didn't go well uh, that the previous month. And that helps me to plan for the next month. And so I just really want everybody to that's listening to just slow down right? Just really slow down because society is going through this really big transformation right now. And the best thing that each of us could do is know ourselves better, adjust our schedule to focus on the things that we care about and make more time for our own well-being. And whatever that is, is different for everybody listening, but just make more time for that because society is going to change and we're going to have to evolve and adjust with it. But the safest way to do that is to make sure we're making time for ourselves. hundred percent. Couldn't say that. Good. I could never have said that better. Um, then the all important, and I'm going to shoot you an automatic email uh, for anything we referenced that you didn't say earlier. Uh, where can everyone get you? Yeah. Contact you and be like, I need him now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to talk. You know, when if somebody's interested in my message or what I'm uh, up to, it's michaelsseaver.com. So there's two S's there in the center because my middle name is Scott. Uh, so michaelsseaver.com. And there's links on there to social media uh, that I'm involved in. There are three online courses. There's some podcast stuff. There's a lot of video material and content. Um, there's a lot of media placements that I've been placed into. So, and there's even some downloads on one of the pages that if somebody just needs a little bit of guidance about choosing their next job or overcoming some sort of loss, there's material on there for that. And so it's kind of a hub or a central location that people can learn about me and what I'm up to. But 
michaelssiever.com is that hub. Wonderful. And I'll link that in the description and anything else that we mentioned earlier that you didn't get, uh, we couldn't get it out in time. Uh, yeah, absolute pleasure. I, yeah. I literally could have like talked to you for like another two hours. <laughs> Good to yeah. So um, at some point soon, we'll do it again. We'll talk about something else. It'd be fun. So thank wonderful. you, Josh, for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're a awesome person. Not many make it here. So being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.